four years ago on February 14th, yes, Valentine's Day of 2018, Neil and I shared our story with the world about how our marriage had survived addiction and specifically Neil's lifelong battle with pornography addiction. This decision wasn't made lightly and it was something he ultimately had to decide he was willing and ready to do. Today, we're reflecting back on that decision and talking through how we decided it was the right thing to do and how it ties into the 12th step of any 12-step program. If you've ever wondered why we chose to share such a personal thing, this should answer a lot of your questions. And if you've ever felt God nudging you to openly share a struggle or something deeply personal that may help another, but you're afraid and not sure if it's the right thing, hopefully this episode will help bring some clarity to what's right for you. And if it's the right thing, understanding how it will help others. We are going to talk today about how you, how both of us came, but especially you, came to feel comfortable with and like it was the right thing to do to break anonymity, which if you haven't heard that phrase before, it basically just means in, especially in recovery, it's a very, very important thing to respect other people's anonymity, which means like you don't talk about other people that you see in recovery meetings. You don't share what you hear. So like when you go to a recovery meeting, this, does this happen in 12-step two, I would assume, like, or sorry, in AA? I yeah. would assume they say the same thing. So they read this thing that says, also in keeping with the Principle principles of anonymity, anonymity, say it for me. I'm, you share um, your, by your first, first name, name only. only. Yep. And then? Um, basically what we say here, what we hear here, when we leave here, let it stay here. Who we see here. What, say it again. What we, who we see here, what we hear here. When we leave here, let it stay here. And everybody says here, here. The first time I went to a meeting, I was like, whoa, what? What was that? That's that's kind of, I, I don't know how widely spread that is. I don't think that's like every single meeting does that. But there's something, I'm sure there's something similar in all the meetings. What about the 12-step meeting that you, like the non-denominational one that you went to before? They would they read the that? 12 traditions. So in the 12 traditions, they read the 12, in, in addition to the 12 steps, there's the 12 traditions, which talk about how recovery meetings are to be conducted, kind of like the principles behind the, the, the 12 steps and the importance of anonymity. So there's, there's 12 traditions as well. And so that's kind of where a lot of that comes from, is that it should be an, anon an anonymous program. It's so hard to always say that. Anonymous, yeah. Anonymous. So it just means that because I used to be nervous about this, and I feel like a lot of people are nervous to step foot in their first meeting. But really, there's two things that I think are really important to know. Number one, if you walk into a meeting and you see someone you know, it's like, oh, you too? Okay, me too. You kind of feel this instant. Instead of feeling shame, you're kind of like, oh, well, okay, you're in the same boat. Cool. Like, it's not so isolating. Yeah. Maybe it's someone that you know that you think highly of or you just think is everything's great in their life. And then you see them at a meeting and you're like, oh, okay, you're in the struggle bus too. Like, okay, we can understand each other. So there's that. But also, I feel like there's this very common understanding in recovery meetings where people just totally respect each other's anonymity 
And it's a really safe place where you can go in and say exactly where you're at, exactly how you're feeling, exactly how hard things are going. And people really do respect it. It's like, I don't know, it's like girl code. It's like guy code. It's like, but even more than like how I trust my friends or I hope to trust my friends. There's just, I think because everyone has a lot to lose and you're all equally vulnerable when you go to a meeting like that, people really, they get it and they respect and understand each other's anonymity. Interestingly though, within the 12 steps, there's also in the 12th step an encouragement in whatever way you feel right to share this message with others. That's a big part of any 12-step program, right? Yeah. Well, that is the 12th step. Is, well, is seeking practice to these practice these principles on all your on all you do and, and all serve. your affairs. So it's basically taking the principles you've learned in throughout the 12 steps and applying them in your life each day or living the 12 steps and then take carrying the message to those who are struggling or carrying the message in in general. Right, because if it was one big secret, nobody would even know to go to a 12-step meeting. It would die yes. within the circles that it started in. It would never expand. And now 12-step meetings, AA meetings, there's millions of people around the world that go and this this 12-step program works for them. It just works. It's just magical. What we're going to talk about today is something that people often ask me about or ask us about, which is like, so why did you guys decide to break anonymity or tell your story or tell the whole world about Neil's struggle and how you guys got through that? So I'd just love to start with kind of like, let's back up to your initial feelings when we very first started going to, or maybe even when you started first, like first meeting that you stepped into and kind of your progression from feeling like comfortable to go to that. And then like how many people you told at first and then just kind of what your progression and your comfort level was going through starting at the very beginning when you went to your first meeting. Well, the anonymity component is super important or was super important for anybody who's stepping in. At least I guess I can just speak from my own experience, but that was something that I was very, very serious about. And like, it's such a, anytime there's like addiction or for me, especially like pornography addiction, just with this, the related stigmas about it, um, I was, it was so important. I just felt like, I'm like, I would rather die a thousand deaths than like anybody know about this. Like that was so sensitive for me. Like it was so hard. I remember meeting with a therapist, like the first one that I ever met with to talk about my struggles with pornography. And like, and, you know, he brought up meetings and I'm like, no way. There's no way that I could go into a room with like 10 plus people in there and, and they all know your struggle. I'm like, no, I can meet with one person barely. Like it was hard enough in the beginning just to even meet with a bishop, my leader of my congregation and talk to him about that. Just so like shameful and embarrassing initially. So walking into a meeting, that was something. But once I felt like the vibe and I'm just like, oh man, like I felt so much relief of finally being in a place where I could like confront my battle and my challenge and felt like it was safe and that people understood. That was the biggest thing is feeling like people understood. There was more of a comfort level, but it was kind of like isolated to that scenario right. to a meeting where it was like, okay, I'm cool with this. There are other guys that these are normal people. 
they're just like me. They're, they're explaining the struggle in the exact same way. Like I trust these guys, but anywhere, any, anyone outside of that, I didn't want anybody to know. Like that was such a personal, like, I don't know. I, the way that I would almost describe it as, is like a sacred battle, you know, Mm -hmm. that you're just like, I just don't want people to know about it. So what changed from then to, I feel like, well, I think things slowly progressed. Like you told me, which before me, you basically had only told a couple family members, right? Yeah. I and mean, like it your was bishop a slow, and that was it. slow progression. Like initially the first person I ever told was my bishop. I, you know, I wanted to get ready to go on a mission for our church. And that was something that I needed to work out and work through before I could go. So he was the first person I ever told. And that was super hard and just really like a tough thing for me to do. But, but I got over it and we worked together and, and I got out on a mission. And after that, once I started getting back struggling after returning home from a mission, it was another bishop that I told kind of like in the Catholic church, it would be your, your priest. You go and like confession, going to confession, going to confession yeah. kind of similar type of deal for our church. But so it was basically these types of people. And then finally I told my, my brother and we had a conversation about that. And Dave was super helpful with like connecting you with yeah, good resources he, he, and people who could help you and how to connect me to, to some of those people and, and, and resources and, And that, that was super helpful for me. So then it was counselors. Then eventually I finally got to the point where I was going to meetings and it was like, it was kind of slowly warming up to like being okay with people knowing, but still I I just was like, man, I I just am so uncomfortable. So when it kind of, for us, when it came up in our relationship of like, Hey, why didn't, why did you break up with me? Like, what's going on? Like, I feel like there's, there's more to the story. Because we were having this like awesome relationship, everything was great, and Neil just like dumped me out of the blue. And I thought it was because he didn't want to buy me a Christmas gift. <laughs> three I'm days not before Christmas. That. If I was that type of guy, you probably <laughs> should have just been like, "Hey, look, you can go your go your." Well, nothing ways. else but, made sense. But after, I mean, I talked to, to people, you know, in the meetings and in recovery about it. I'd been going to these meetings, so I was like, it was a big moment for me. I'd never told a girl. That especially girl that I dated that, that, you know, I had, that's like the last thing that I would want to tell someone that I was dating, like, Hey, I'm struggling with pornography, but, but I made the decision to, and it was the right decision. And so that was a huge hurdle for me and really, really hard, but it opened up like some, you know, the, the greatest possibilities in my life. So it was a very good thing. So fast forward a lot of like us going to meetings, we've got our whole story. You can listen to another podcast. Um, we got married, had Annabelle moved out here, and then we started going to ARP, which is our church's 12-step program, which we really are so lucky in South Orange County to have truly world-class, absolutely incredible ARP meetings here. They just yeah, are. For sure. It's a really special blend of people who are committed and in our church and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they also have like an AA foundation. And so some of those people that started this program here in South Orange County kind of combined the AA culture with ARP and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they've just made this very, very welcoming, amazing, life-changing culture that has, has helped so many people in recovery and, and helped people overcome just 
crippling addictions. So we went to ARP. This is just like a quick, there's lots of other posts. I mean, sorry, posts. Well, there is a blog post, but there's lots of other episodes you can listen to to hear the whole story. But we were going to ARP for what, five years? And that's when we both really took the step seriously. And then I feel like probably halfway through that year, we started to talk a little bit about the possibility of breaking anonymity. And like it, it, it came up for the first time in conversation. And every time, so this is interesting, when you go to a 12-step meeting, I would assume it's the same in AA, although I've never been, but in ARP, each week you read one of the steps. So within 12 weeks, you end up going through each of the steps and then they start over. So every 12 re- weeks, you would read step 12, which is, like we said earlier, all about sharing the message, serving others. And people typically like that week will share about that step and whatever experiences they had. So we'd hear people talk about breaking anonymity and telling other people. And there were some really cool, pivotal people. Jay and Lexi have been on the podcast where Jay talks about how he just decided that he needed to start telling everybody he could about recovery and ARP. And he brought so many people to the meetings because he would just tell, he'd tell people like at a gas station or at work or out, you know, wherever. He would just bring it up all the time and then come to meetings with random people. And I think that helped inspire us. I think that hearing lots of other people just talk about how, oh, someone else shared with us or someone else told me about the meeting and that's how I got here. And really, we went to ARP because of Mandy, who has also been on the podcast, but Mandy Gubler, who is my friend who wrote all about her story with her husband's prescription pain medication addiction and how they found ARP and that's what saved their marriage and saved his life. And so because she had written about that on her blog, we knew to try out ARP, which ended up being like the finally the thing that helped us. But when we first started talking about it, you were you were like pretty hesitant. Well, yeah, I for sure was. I mean, even going to ARP was hard for me because it, I was going to, to SA before, which was more like a conventional 12-step, non-denominational type of meeting. Like and a break off very, of AA. Break off of AA, very closed. It was a closed meeting, meaning like you couldn't just like recreational or just out of curiosity come if you weren't like an addict you couldn't just come to a meeting, which in ARP, you can have people who are like family members or support or whatever, like anybody can come into an ARP meeting, but general ARP. Yeah. General or ARP essay was closed. And so I'd been in that format for so long. So ARP was hard because all of a sudden there would just be like somebody's elders corn president would roll in or like some, you know, people coming in with their wives or, or like family members or, so that was really, I had to get used to that and, and be okay with that. And and then on top of that, it was at our, at our church, like our home church. And so I remember one time somebody breaking in and being like, Hey, is this where choir practice is? Like, and it's somebody from my ward and I just being like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, yeah, I just was so uncomfortable with it. But I'm like, you know what? I care more about getting better than I do. Mm-hmm. Like, so what? Who cares? Like if that person like, yeah, okay. Like I I have a struggle and I'm trying to work through it. But on that note, actually, so we did go to San Clemente for the first 
year or two, couple years. And then when they started a Laguna Niguel meeting, then we started going to that because you were like, oh, this is way better. Like then I'm not worried about running into anyone. It wasn't at our local church building. Just go to one that's farther away. Like there are ways around that. Yeah. So so we drove like 20 minutes. Be worried. You go up the road and go to a different one. Yep. So we did that and that was a great experience. But I feel like so I feel like it was in the temple, like we'd go to the temple and then have kind of some feelings about that. Like just, I started feeling that way and I would kind of like gently share it with you. And it was always in the like, Hey, I'm having this impression, but I don't want it to pressure you at all. So if this is something that in a matter of years or whatever, you feel comfortable sharing, then that's great. If you never feel comfortable in this life sharing this, then great. But I just feel like I should at least share with you that I'm getting these spiritual impressions that we would help so many people if we were to share this story. And so I would kind of just like in a very gentle way say like, this is what I'm thinking, but this is, this is your story to tell. So it has to be whenever you're ready. But what were you thinking and feeling that first, you know, few times that we talked about it? Yeah. I mean, I was still in the middle of the steps. And so for me, like I was still trying to work through um, and like, initially work through my own program with it, but it, it was hard, I think, because I think there was that fear of like, well, how's that going to go? Like, how are people going to react to me? Like there, again, the stigma of like pornography addiction, like what people don't understand and how are people going to react to that? Like people are going to misinterpret what that is or you know, like even just stupid things like, oh, are we ever going to be able to get a babysitter again? Like yeah, are gonna, people are we legitimately think I'm weird, worried about or that. Like, oh my gosh, this guy, like what's, what's he thinking about, you know, or are people going to be uncomfortable around me? Like all of these different thoughts were in my mind and were really, really hard to reconcile with. But in working the steps and understanding and, and one of my, I mean, Jay, like Jay was really pivotal. Like I watched what, what he was doing, like how helpful it was that, that he was sharing the message and there was no anonymity. And he talked to me a lot about it. He's like, dude, like you can just do so much more and help so many more people. I I expressed a lot of my concerns to him and, and he just basically said like, you know, there's help. There's a lot of like spiritual, like protection that you get. And this isn't a podcast, like necessarily to say like, Hey, everyone should go and do this. I don't think it's, it's always the right call, you know, necessarily depending on your situation. Well, I think there are different levels of doing step 12. And I do want to cover that because I think that you can still, when the spirit tells you to, or in moments where you like, and this is how I did it initially before we completely broke anonymity. I wouldn't say anything unless like, There just were some times where like a friend, like a close girlfriend or somebody that I was close with would kind of tell me they're going through a hard time and kind of hint toward or even maybe come out and say like, yeah, there's a pornography addiction or there's some serious problems with this or that. And like if I felt really moved by the spirit, then I would sometimes just in that private conversation say, hey, I want you to know that Neil and I have been through this program and it saved our marriage. And this is what it did for us. And and it was like in a, not in like an open telling the whole world, but just that one-on-one person. And I feel like you did a little bit of that too in the beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we eventually like kind of came to an agreement of like, hey, you know what, if you're moved upon by the spirit, that's okay. And and I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And 
but again, it's, it's, there's such a vulnerability to it. It's so personal and so vulnerable. It's like, it's hard to work through. And a lot of that is just, some of it's a lot of it, you know, it can be ego that I just have like my own reputation or how people view me, or I want to be seen a certain way. So it was getting past that. But I, I think it was finally being like, I care more about helping myself and helping others because I know how badly how bad the struggle was mm-hmm. for me and how isolated and totally alone that I felt that I really didn't know a single person beside myself who struggled with pornography. But yet I suspected, I'm like, this has got to be. And I know people, they're talking about it in general conference all the time. It's such a big problem. The accessibility is just off the chain. Like you, you can... It's so easy to get it. It's thrown in your face. Like, how are people not struggling with this? And so I knew it was out there, but magically I didn't know anybody who struggled with it until I got into recovery and until I like was like, okay, here we go. Like, this is everyone. But we would go to church and have church lessons or like you said, these worldwide church broadcasts where they would talk about it. But yet I had never been to a church meeting where someone would say, hey, I'm that person that has that problem. And also more importantly, there was never a, and here's the solution, or here's where you should go for help, or here's where we, as a couple, like from being engaged, like dating and engaged to being married, having several different bishops throughout the time, never did any of them say, you should try the church's 12-step program. Because I just feel like it's kind of this like hidden secret that in the church, in our church, that a lot of people don't know about because people just don't talk about that very much. And so I remember for me when there would be just like times where I would just be crushed, like broken, just so downtrodden that I would find out that you had relapsed or you had been lying to me again or whatever. And I remember there were times where after I like cried in the shower or cried myself to sleep or whatever, sometimes I'd be so mad or feel so desperate that I'd start Googling like addiction recovery or pornography addiction and resources or wives of pornography addicts. And like, I would try to find stuff online and I couldn't ever find anything that was positive. The only thing that would come up were like these maybe blog posts or whatever, where people were bashing their husbands or just kind of like getting together and, and just like complaining or saying how awful it was. I, I had such a hard time finding even one person who was talking about solution or talking about a positive story. And so that was big for me to realize that like, wow, if I like, after we finally really, really found that solution and hope and healing and had this huge life-changing experience that really was lasting. After a while, I was like, okay, I it, it has to be on Neil's terms, but if he ever did feel comfortable, we could help so many people. And that's just what I would feel going to the temple over and over. Like I would, we would perform a temple ceremony or whatever, um, a service there. And then at the end, you get to sit in this really peaceful place called the celestial room. And I would get there and try to, you know, pray or ask Heavenly Father for guidance. Like, what do you want me to do right now with my life? Or how can I be of service? And those thoughts would come to my mind over and over to the point where I kind of got to like, almost like, okay, I don't want to, like, I almost don't even want to keep telling Neil because I don't want him to think I'm pushy, but it is the consistent, that's the consistent message I keep getting over and over. 
But I would always tell you, on your terms, if and when you're ever ready, but only when you're ready, you know? You know, we'd felt that for a long time. I'd felt that. It was really hard for me. I mean, it, it, to to come to that, there were a lot of concerns I had. We both had concerns. I, yeah. I really struggled, but I did feel like I felt I knew how much that would help people. Like, I'm like, the, it, people need this. Like, the, there's such an opportunity here. And we would feel that. And so finally, one night, it was like, I think the the, the two, it was a Tuesday night meeting we were at. And it was ironically, like right before Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day was the next day. Somebody shared about finding the meeting and then seeing us in the meeting, like it was their first one they ever came to, um, you know, it was a couple and, and, you know, the wife shared about it, how she, once she saw Corinne then, and she had followed her on Instagram and kind of knew I th- that it made her feel like, okay, like, you know, maybe this is going to be okay. Maybe seeing somebody else going through the same challenge that, that I follow and, and know maybe, maybe it's all right. Maybe we're okay. And it took a little of that, maybe that shame or or some of those feelings of uneasiness or like, yeah, shame basically out of it. So after that meeting, I think we'd been talking about this for so long and and really felt like this was the right timing. So then I called up Corinne and it was like, hey, uh, let's, I think, I think it's time let's, let's do this. And which was a scary thing for me to say, cause it, it was again, just such a hard decision for me. And it took, I just had to get over so mo- so many of my own fears and like concerns about liabilities or whatever that I had and, and just say, all right, you know what? I care more about helping other people, that person who's struggling and feels so alone and by themselves. And if, if I can talk to that one, like that's who this is for, for the people who are struggling or the couples who are struggling or like, okay, we're hopeless. Like we've been dealing this for, with this for years and, and we feel completely alone. Like if, if this story can reach those people and, and touch them the way that I've been touched and helped through recovery, then, then, okay. Like I'm, well, I'm all in and let's do it. And so at that point, I think that night we went home and and you put the post together. I just stayed up late and wrote it that night and then had you read it first thing in the morning. We posted it the next morning. But what my memory, my memory of that was so cool because I remember that share so vividly that 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 girl gave that night that she said what she described. I was like, oh man, I remember feeling that same way when I went to my first pornography addiction meeting with Neil, where she said that she kind of walked in and was like looking at the floor, didn't want to make eye contact with people, felt like so much shame, felt embarrassed to be there. And when she looked up, she saw me and was like, oh wow, like this person that I follow on Instagram who like seems like her life is great she's going through the same thing. And then when she heard one of us, I don't remember if it was me or you share and share about what your addiction was about. And that that was the same one that her husband was going through that. She was like, even more felt like, wow, if they can do this. And at that point we were in a great spot that she was like, felt so much hope. And that was so cool to me to hear that story, that share, like just that alone felt so cool to be like, wow, I'm so glad that 
someone came to this meeting and felt hope and didn't feel so alone. But then it was so cool too. You said you called me because we drove separately to the meeting for whatever reason that night. And on our drive home, you called me on the way home. And so we were just talking and you said, it's time. And I just was, I remember being so shocked that you had come to that conclusion, but that you were like, that you were really certain that, okay, it's the right time and we should do it now. So I just stayed up late and wrote the whole blog post and had you review it the next morning before it went live because I wanted to make sure it was all okay by you, the way that I told the story and the the details that I shared. And and I remember too, when we hit publish, it was kind of like, okay, here we go. We'll see what happens. And then that day, like our phones were both blowing up. Like there were thousands of comments on Instagram, on the blog post. And it was just, it was really cool. I really wasn't sure what to expect if people were going to be like, wow, that's weird or whatever. But we received so much love and support. It really was remarkable to me to see how many people, not only how many people came forward and said, wow, I needed that so badly. I've never heard a positive story. And we're in that exact same struggle right now. But even people who weren't, who were like, wow, reading this has given me such a new perspective on what that actually is like versus what I thought it was like. So I think it also helped. I mean, I remember someone in our stake presidency, at least I think there were actually two people, both our stake president at the time and one of the members of the stake presidency who, like, if you're in our church, that's like a person that's even above your just local congregation leader. They're they're kind of over your big area that they both left these really loving comments of just appreciation and understanding. And it was so cool to see that ripple effect. And then, and then what's even more cool is we started to receive after that in the coming months and still now it's been years and we're republishing the blog post today on Valentine's day when this blog post goes live, but you can go to that blog post and read through the comments down and see, you know, what people have left in comments over the years. But we've also received so many DMs and emails and and stories from people where they were saying, you know, they say things like, we were about to get divorced or we were already separated or whatever. And we saw your post and then we started going to ARP and then we started putting our marriage back together and And it really is so cool to see how many people who probably never would have even known that that solution was there to go to an ARP, a general ARP meeting together and hear other people's experiences and get support there and work the 12 steps and take your life back. Like that is, that's been such a rewarding part. But for you, what has it been like? Well, I think those are the ones that, again, like that was my hope was to reach a lot of those people and to get those stories back was really powerful. I, and I will say like of all of the comments and all of the things that came up, there were only like, I could count on one hand how many like negative or maybe derogatory or type of comments there were. And they were super indirect, um, or like secondhand type of things, which I'm like, I actually expected more. So, you know, to have that be as positive as it was. And I mean, I think part of me too wanted, there's, there's such a, a standard of perfection when it comes to social media and Instagram and, oh, these perfect feeds and these perfect. And, and I think like, you know, it it would be easy to look at 
our family and think that and be like, oh, these people and their perfect lives and and it's, you know, it's a highlight reel of of how awesome they are. And so for me, that part of it was really important as well to show people like, look, here's the reality. Here's the struggle. Like, here's, let me, let me tell you about it. Like, it's not, you might see a certain look or a certain vibe or whatever, but it, but here's the reality is that everyone struggles and everyone has something. It might not be pornography, but there's, there's struggle or challenge or addiction. It's no respecter of persons. And, and I've seen that in meetings. It's, it's, yeah, there are the stereotypical people that you look at and be like, oh yeah, this person, you can tell they're really struggling or they're like living on the streets or they're really rough or you know, you can tell that they struggle with substance abuse or something like that. But a lot of times, and even more often than not, it's not. It's it's people that you are your next door neighbors or you go to church with and you've gone to church with them for years or people you, you no highly, idea. highly mm-hmm. respect, members of your own family that you were like, this is the last person I would ever think would have the struggles that they have. It's those people understanding that. And, and I want, so for me, I wanted to break a bit of that stereotypical, like, oh, your life's perfect and you have all this stuff. And, and it's easy to do that on social media. So it was a really, it was just such a cool experience and the feedback and the opportunities that we had to talk and help others and, and share. And it's not, it's not like a, you know, like I'm like, like a guru or anything or a, a poster child of perfection of how to like work a program or, whatever. All it is, is a case study. And that's all I see it as is like, here's one case study of one couple, what they did, what worked for them. And here's the solutions that that they found, which solutions are are widely known within the 12 step and recovery community. And really it's the atonement of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, that's what it boils down to. Um, But that was, that was my experience. It was cool. And it's been cool to run into people and, and hear their stories and hear them share where they've been and then how that was able to, to help be helpful for them. Yeah. One time we went to a meeting in St. George to Mandy's meeting, Court and Mandy, who I reference in the story and who, again, Mandy's been on the podcast and their story was what got us to ARP in the first place. So one time we were actually with Jay and Lexi. In St. George, we went to Court and Mandy's meeting, and then somebody showed up to that meeting who was like, hey, we started going to ARP because my wife read your blog, and we were about to get divorced, and now here I am, and I've worked the steps. And you know, this was like a couple years later. That was so cool and so random that also he didn't typically attend that meeting, but he happened to be like in town or something. So he happened to come the same night. We happened to come, which that's the one and only time we have ever been to that meeting. And it was so cool to just like have that little experience in tender mercy to be able to hear firsthand from someone who was like, your share of this information helped save our marriage. So I'd also love for you to just share, Neil, what it's been like for you to be congruent with yourself, because you've talked to me a lot about that at different times and how breaking anonymity helped you in that regard. And I know you had encouragement from recovery buddies about how it would take you to the next level of just being true to yourself. Yeah. Well, as far as the congruent component for me is, again, it was something 
like the last thing, like I would rather die than <laughs> ever anybody know about that. Like it was such a shameful part of myself. And, and there was major duality of like, this is the secret life. And then on the front, like I had this front, which was legit. It wasn't like I was totally being like a liar about who I was. Like I was a member of the church. I served a mission. I had a strong testimony. Like I believe in God, all this stuff. But I'm sure that people probably never would have suspected that there was a major struggle. So being able to finally, obviously, like an enormous amount of vulnerability there to where you just, you open yourself up and you're like, all right, for better or for worse, this is who I am, you know? And, and, you know, and there are all of those suspicions of like, oh, what do people think or whatever, but letting go of that and just being like, look, I care more about what's real in life. And the reality is, is this is, this is what I work with and struggle with to, to kind of allow myself to, to be, I don't know, uh, like a whole person in that sense, instead of like compartmentalized. Um, I think it's been good. And, and it's cool to see the reactions, the reactions of people like my fam, like family or friends or whatever. It's, completely the opposite of what I thought it would have been. That's been, that that was such a cool thing to see that. And again, I, I you know, this isn't like a, a podcast to, to say like, Hey, go break anonymity. I, I, I think, and it's even talked about in the steps. Like I think a lot of people get into recovery and want to go and jump and make a bunch of amends or, or, or go tell everyone about it or whatever. Like there's a time once you've there's a reason why it's the, the steps, there's one. a reason why it's mm-hmm. the 12th step after you've worked the program and, and you've got some recovery and, and a good sobriety and recovery going. And then even then, it's a serious, you know, th- decision that you really would have to come to and on your own volition and, and really not be pressured into or, or anything like that. And so, and I, you know, I had people who, a few people who told me just straight up not to do it. I had a, like a therapist at the time was like, don't do that you'll get better, you want to go on with your life, you know, or, or that'll put pressure on you. But also that particular therapist yeah, did and uh, said a lot of things that we, in retrospect, really disagree with. Yeah, no. And, and so there's a lot of different things like, okay, yeah, there's, that'll put pressure on you. What if, what if you slip or what if you relapse or what Well, if? let's address that. Like, what if, have you felt like, oh, that's now put pressure on, because people ask me that all the time. And it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, it's the first thing that pops into your mind. You're like, wow, what if, what if something happens that obviously that's a reality. It would be foolish not to think that like that could never happen or that I'm like so ignorant to think that like, oh yeah, no, not me. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm saved. I'm, I'm, I'm good for now on. But that, that possibility is there. And it's like, that's why it's a one day at a time program. It's all in the steps. It's all, it's all there. You keep living in the solution. You keep working the steps. The steps talk about how to balance it. Like make sure you maintain a balance between working your own program and sharing the message. If you lose sight of that working your program part um, and you're just sharing the message, like, yeah, your recovery is not going to go very well and you're going to relapse. And so I think being honest about that for me and the my recovery does have to come first because if I don't have anything in order to have anything to give on step 12, I have to have worked the first 11 steps or live in the maintenance steps of 10, 11, 12. 
Like I have to take that in the, an inventory, make sure my connection is good each day with, with God, with Jesus Christ, to do my dailies, reach out to others. Like you have, it's all part of the program and it's all written in the steps. So, but, but yeah, I mean, the reality is, is it, it is a one day at a time program and I have agency, um, and, and that could change at any time, but you know, it's, it's being able to acknowledge that and, and live in recovery and live the steps and make that decision each and every day. I want to share too, that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. There are a lot of people who have done a lot of good in ARP who have broken anonymity only in certain circles or in certain places. Like the person who you now consider as kind of your new sponsor or that you work with kind of almost like a sponsor basis has shared his story only in like meetings with other adults in his church community to bring people to the meeting. So he's broken anonymity on kind of a local level in certain places where he feels like the spirit is there. And he, he felt prompted to share it in those circles but I also know that he doesn't like go tell everybody in, in like, like it's not like a public broadcast thing like you and me. And then there are people who only share privately one-on-one when they feel moved upon by the spirit. So there's different levels of this that you can do wherever you feel like God has led you to. But when people ask me, how did you feel okay about that? Like, what if, I mean, we worried about what if nobody wants to play with our kids, which has never been a problem. Or what if, like you said, we can't have a baby, like we'll never be able to find a babysitter or whatever. My answer to all of that was that God was prompting us so strongly over and over and over again that I was like, you know what? If God's telling us to do that, he will work those details out. And if this is his will, and we've so strongly felt this over and over, and if Neil's ready for it, and he felt moved upon by the Spirit to say, like, we need to share this message, then those little worries and little details, God will find a way to work them out or or nudge us or pull us in one direction or the other to be able to work them out. So I just felt like if God can take care of things like parting the Red Sea, he certainly can take take care of helping us find a babysitter. You know, if that's our, if, if those things are a problem. And I love that the ARP manual says to remain free of addiction, you must get outside yourself and serve. The desire to help others is a natural result of spiritual awakening. And there are people who go to AA or through ARP or whatever, they do the steps, they kind of feel like they're healed and then they don't come back. And that can work for some people, but oftentimes when people do it that way, they end up coming back. And they're right back down at the bottom. And so don't you feel like this, like breaking anonymity in the way that you felt in on the level that you felt like God was telling you to and serving by helping sponsor others and and this whole idea of the 12th step, like that keeps you sober, right? Yeah. When done correctly, if you work the first 11 steps properly and then um, share in the 12th step, it really like kind of anchors in your recovery and really cements it in on a a lot of different levels. And I think for me, and this is something that Jay told me about is he's like, dude, you get there, like God blesses you like to really, like you get a lot of help. Um, I agree with that. And that's what I felt is a lot of strength and a lot of help. I mean, to be as scared of like anybody knowing as I was, and then to be at this point where I'm like, willing to be an open book and it's still vulnerable. Like, 
every time we talk about it or, or go share the message to a large group, it's like, whoa, I'm, I have to like retell my story. And it's, it's still working through that. But I, I also too, like, I love that one, you know, somebody in one of our meetings, he always says like, whatever somebody thinks of me is none of my business. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, it's none of my business. I know where I'm at in my recovery, what I'm trying to do for myself. It's a race against myself. Um, I know God knows where I'm at and, and he's helping me and continue to develop and grow. And then also that I'm doing, you know, in sharing this message, my hope is to, is to provide a case study or, or share my experience, faith and hope with people who need it, who are struggling. And there's way more than anyone even realizes. We haven't even scratched the surface on how many how much of a need there is. And also in the ARP manual, I love that it says the message is that God is a God of miracles, just as he always has been. And that's kind of the simple, like, listen, there's actually solution. There's hope. God can create these miracles that will, that will solve and heal things that you felt like were so broken beyond compare, like beyond repair. Sorry. And speaking to what you just said about like you get lots of extra help and blessings as you're willing to open your mouth and tell other people and share the message. Ezra Taft Benson said this, men and women who turn their lives over to God will discover that he can make a lot more out of their lives than they can. He will deepen their joys, expand their vision, quicken their minds, strengthen their muscles, lift their spirits, multiply their blessings, increase their opportunities, comfort their souls, raise up friends, pour out peace. Whoever will lose his life in the service of God will find eternal life. And when I thought, I think this is the final and most important thing that I have to say is that when you go to the temple a lot for us, like when we go there and it's a place where you really connect with God and you see life for what it really is, which is just like, this is a small piece in the eternal perspective of us going on and living the next life and becoming, having eternal life and not just like this tiny little earth life. If you think of it in those terms and you think the whole, God's whole purpose is to save souls and that's what we believe, then putting yourself out there for the purpose of helping save souls and helping bring people back to recovery and to finding hope and finding God and finding peace and all of those things, that is going to reap so many blessings, not only for yourself, but like really saving souls, helping people to not feel like they've just, they're at the depths of despair or a lot of people who end up dying either because their drug of choice kills them, which we've seen that happen so many times from overdoses or or accidental or overdoses or also people taking their lives because they just feel that they're in the depths of despair, that there's nowhere else there's no way that they can go up from here. They're just at the bottom of the barrel and death would be better. We know people like that. And so to think that possibly sharing this message, whether it's privately with one person when you feel like, you know, that's the right thing to do or sharing it with a a more moderate group of people or sharing it with the world, whatever God tells you to do. For us, for me, that was something that I felt like for any of the things that are worrying me, if I truly have an eternal perspective and we can help save souls that like God will help us out, he's going to have our back. And so that's really what 
I I felt like, okay, we can do this because he if he's asking us to do it, he's going to support us and this is going to help this is going to help bring people back and it's going to help people not feel like they're just in the bottom of the barrel and there's no hope and there's nowhere to turn and there's no solution cuz that's how I felt for a long time. That's how I felt every time I tried to Google and find some type of a hope story or a solution out there. And I kept running into dead ends where there was nothing but people complaining and husband bashing. And I just felt like this is Heavenly Father's plan is to try to help bring his children back to him someday so that when we get to heaven, that we can all live with God and and be the people that he saw us to potentially be if we would fulfill that destiny. So that's really kind of the most important thing to me is that if we really believe what we believe and we believe that we're eternal souls, that this helps save souls. No, and I think for me, the one thing that's come to me through this whole process several times is that it's not, it's not my work. It's, it's like, like I've had that impression, like spiritual impression of kind of, I don't know, I guess hearing God's voice of like, this is my work. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're just an instrument. That's it. Uh, which is good, which which I think takes the pressure off of me in a lot of ways of feeling like I've got to carry people. I've got to I've got to be the one to actually save the soul. Like I'm not the savior. Like that's what Jesus Christ did. And and the the 12 steps and recovery, it's a way of of step by step accessing that power in order to have your soul saved. And so it, I'm just a messenger and that's and that's it. And I love that. And I love that it's not my responsibility, nor do I see myself as, as a guru or, you know, some figure that, that is, is, you know, pitching, like, here's my, you know, here's what you do. That's my thing that I came up with. I'm like, this is God's work. Um, and that's how, that's how I see it. And, and, and it just being willing to see it in that light and live in that way. There are, there are so many cool opportunities that God presents and, ways in which he he works out miracle people who are trying to get better well if you want to read our story you can go to mintarrow.com slash arp and it will pop up and you can read the whole story we're actually republishing it today on mintarrow.com too so if you happen to be listening to this on february 14th that'll be our blog post of the day but i hope this helped you i hope it inspired you to either have compassion for others who go through the struggle of addiction or are married to or have a loved one who is struggling with addiction and or if you know someone who is in that struggle that maybe you could share this with them and help them find some hope and and solution because that's really what we hope you know to share and to spread the message of so all right well we'll see you next week Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. Oh, 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 oh,